Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. Welcome. It's Wednesday, March 16th, and on today's show, we are talking to Dylan Byers about his recent piece on MSNBC. We dig into the cable news channel's identity, the Rachel Maddow succession intrigue, and we try to answer the question, what exactly do viewers think about when they think about the peacock? We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Welcome, everybody, to The Powers That Be here on this beautiful Wednesday. I'm joined by our media savant, Dylan Byers, the handsomest staff member at Puck.News. Dylan, I don't know if you're celebrating March Madness like I am, but uh, who do you have tonight? Wright State or Bryant University? Wow. <laughs> here's how Here's how much I'm celebrating. I had no idea. I just knew the names had been called, the teams had been called. <laughs> Before we get into our media conversation today about your latest piece on MSNBC, a funny media observation was as a college basketball fan, I was watching Selection Sunday over the weekend. And right when that happened, Tom Brady tweeted that he's unretiring. And ESPN almost just like shoved aside all of March Madness, like <laughs> analysis, previews, just to go all in on Brady coverage. And I found that deeply annoying, but it is a statement about how powerful the NFL is. It is. So people people will tell you that live sports is the last lifeline of the linear television business. Yeah. And a smarter person will correct you and say, no, football is the last <laughs> lifeline of the linear television business. Because it is so far above college or NBA basketball or any other sport. Which makes sense. But our topic today is uh, MSNBC. And you had a piece up this week. Headlined, is MSNBC on autopilot? The subhead here, CNN's remarkable coverage of Ukraine, and I agree it's been really, really good, has evidenced its sizable advantage over its nearest rival, MSNBC. Begging the twofold question, who is in charge over there? And what are they doing exactly? Dylan, when you're watching MSNBC and talking to people over there during the war in Ukraine, like what are the differences you're noticing between the two networks? And why did that drive you to write this piece? Well, first of all, in terms of the differences, they're pretty stark, right? You go to CNN and you get Clarissa Ward, Matthew Chance, Jim Shuto, and like 10 to 15 other correspondents embedded across Ukraine up until recently in Moscow, in Poland, so on and so forth. And they are doing, like you said, they're doing what historically CNN has been known for, what was certainly preserved throughout the Jeff Zucker reign, even if it appeared to take more of a backseat to the Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo uh, show. And you go to MSNBC and what you get is a network that has a few few assets in terms of global crisis coverage, a few correspondents, most of them borrowed from NBC News. But then what you get is a lot of people who have spent years and years and years serving as staunch progressive liberal warriors, the Chris Hayes, the Joy Reeds, sitting in studios far, far away from Ukraine and doing their best to sort of talk about it and while meanwhile roping in some of the more familiar coverage of the sort of progressive causes they champion or going after the Republicans. And it just is so blatantly the wrong kind of programming for this moment. Now, 
people will caution and people will tell you that, okay, fine, but this is a moment in time and major European land wars, uh, keep your fingers crossed, come about once every 75 years. So it's okay if they miss this moment. And the reason I wrote this piece is because when I talk to the folks I talk to who either work at MSNBC, work at NBC Universal, used to work at MSNBC or NBC Universal, or generally media executives who have a pretty good understanding of this world, the vast majority of them say the same thing, which is that MSNBC, it doesn't even feel like they're trying. It doesn't <laughs> feel like they are trying to stay competitive. It doesn't feel like they even care about meeting the moment. And the more you dig into that and try and understand why that is, first of all, there's a lack of a really sort of competitive leader at MSNBC right now. There is a lack of a competitive strategy. And indeed, at the very top of the organization with Jeff Schell, the head of NBC Universal, and his boss, Brian Roberts, the head of Comcast, there isn't a great deal of appetite for even being competitive in the ways we have traditionally thought about both cable and broadcast news being hyper-competitive. The business is changing. We're obviously at this moment, as you and I talk about a lot, where we're shifting from linear to streaming, and you're sort of figuring out ways for both of those businesses to coexist. So long as MSNBC continues to generate revenue, continues to not create too many headaches for Comcast, NBC, Universal, these leaders seem to be content with MSNBC sort of plodding along as the network of Joe Scarborough, Rachel Maddow, and then sort of some kind of version of NBC News in between. And it doesn't feel like they're trying. And that is something that grates at the talent, at the producers, former talent, and, you know, people in this business who are who have generally gotten accustomed to the television news business being a competitive business. And so I think there's just a lot of head scratching and a lot of wondering what's going on. Yeah. And, and I want to say something also, like some of their challenges do apply to CNN. Oh, 100%. CNN has an overarching strategy and a clear point of view on the seven times a year there's big breaking news when there's coronavirus, when we're withdrawing from Afghanistan, when there's an election and everyone goes in that direction when there's not big news, then they are left with some of these similar challenges. It was simply what Cable's been challenged by for years, which is how do you fill time? But what's interesting about MSNBC is you articulate this in your piece. And I should say the media world needs much less of journalists fluffing other journalists, but the writing in this piece was so good. <laughs> uh, you write, what is MSNBC's new value proposition in the post-Trump era? The network's slogan is, quote, this is who we are, whatever that means. And yet it's not at all clear who MSNBC is or even who it is for. In the morning, it's a Scarborough-run, personality-driven, political insider breakfast club. By day, it's essentially straight-laced NBC News. By night, it's a soon-to-be Maddow-less smattering of self-righteous academic liberals catering to the AOC wing of the Democratic Party. And you write elsewhere in the piece, during the day at this moment, you can turn on MSNBC and see Richard Engel reporting from somewhere in Ukraine, but then you turn on primetime and it's Joy Reid sort of venting about why this war is getting covered versus other conflicts that have happened in recent years in non-white Christian parts of the world. And you write that comments like those also read like an excuse for MSNBC's inability to fully tell the story of Europe's biggest war in 75 years and one that could go nuclear in an instant. 
that really describes what, what's happening. Like when you turn it on at any given hour, you don't know who this is for. Is it for Washington insiders? Is it for mass market news consumers? Is it for resistance liberals? And and is this lineup going to change anytime soon? Or are they just sort of complacent and content with letting this ride as kind of a placeholder network for a while? First of all, you said that CNN has a lot of the same problems, and indeed it does. And already we are starting to see some waning interest in the Ukraine coverage. And there are nights like last Friday night when the average audience dipped below 1 million viewers, which is extremely low even by the standards of cable news. But at least the network has a leader in Chris Licht who is about to take the reins. He's going to be in over his head a little bit in terms of running a a global 24-hour cable news network. But he has a track record of being a great executive producer, knowing how to take talent, how to take shows and reposition them for success. He has a mandate to get CNN back to its hard news roots. So there is a mission, there is a competitive, sort of aggressive appetite to win and to do well, and there is a sense of purpose. What he does, what Chris Lick decides to do when there's not a war in Ukraine, when there's not an election going on, is, of course, the $64,000 question, and we have to wait and see. I'm bullish because, again, he has that track record, but we'll wait and see. If you move over to MSNBC, what makes the problem harder for them is there's no one who is like a Chris Licht or a Jeff Zucker or an Andy Lack, the former head of NBC News Group. What you've got is you've got Jeff Shell, who wakes up in Hollywood or in Beverly Hills, rather, with a thousand different problems to think about that have nothing to do with the news business. You have Cesar Conde, who is a McKinsey-type business guy who has no, and has said as much, has no desire to get into the editorial aspects of what MSNBC does. He's hardly a Jeff Zucker, Andy Lack type in that he's not, like, watching the monitors and calling the control room and telling them to change the Chiron or to do something differently. Uh, And then you have Rashida Jones, who is actually the president of MSNBC, but has no power to override the people who actually control that network, which are the biggest, most notable, highest paid talents. That is Rachel Maddow, who is about to leave primetime. And that is Joe Scarborough, who has been given even more real estate, which makes him (laughs) even harder to get rid of if ever that were something MSNBC wanted to do because they're, they're really putting a lot of the chips on the Scarborough franchise. So you ask, will the lineup change? Yes. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure exactly who they'll install at 9 p.m., The best guess I have is still Nicole Wallace. But I don't see a future where MSNBC, NBC News are able to compete with CNN on this global coverage. I think they are going to continue to invest in doing what they have long done, which is good political coverage that is competitive with CNN on the domestic front, and then being a home for progressives, for liberals. And maybe once we get out of international affairs that will make them more popular. But again, the challenge there is, who is as popular as Rachel Maddow? Who can you build a brand around? Because the people currently sitting in the chairs around Rachel Maddow don't know what they're doing, don't know how to draw that sort of audience. The other problem is people watch Joy Reid talk about how the only reason the media is covering Ukraine is because it's white people and they're Christian and we don't cover other conflicts the same way. People who are like the hardworking journalists on the NBC News side, they pull their hair out when they see that. And there's so many times when the 
hyper-progressive leftmost wing of the Democratic Party, when that takes over prime time, that just aggravates the people who are working really, really hard on day side. Meanwhile, it's totally incongruent with the conversation that's happening in the mornings on Morning Joe. It's like this autopilot thing. And anytime someone leaves, whether it's Brian Williams or soon Rachel Maddow, they don't go out there and try and poach some incredible new talent. They're not aggressive in that way. They just sort of reshuffle the deck chairs and figure out someone else who can take over that spot who's probably not as good. Again, it's just this lack of leadership, lack of strategy, and there's no solution to it because I'm not convinced that the guys sitting at the top really care so long as it remains a lucrative business for them. And so long as there are sub-fees in the cable news linear business, it will be a lucrative business for them. Dylan, I want to I ask you some more about the talent question over there, but first, we're going to take a quick break. All right, welcome back, everyone. Dylan, we were just talking about talent at MSNBC. And, and one obviously huge question is Rachel Maddow hasn't completely left. She's sort of stepping into the anchor chair when she feels like it, but she's sunsetting her her time in primetime, which has been a disaster for primetime ratings. You also broke the news a few weeks back that MSNBC, along with CNN, were pursuing White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki to possibly take over one, two, who, who knows how many hours of programming over there. Would she be the fit for Maddow or is Nicole Wallace, like you said, the person that would slot in there? That's a long ways off because the, the thing is, Jen Psaki is a big get for MSNBC and it, it has the potential to sort of change the narrative a little bit for them, at least for, for 15 minutes. Is it a big get? I mean, sorry, Jen, I know you like this <laughs> podcast and you listen and <laughs> we, are, we are friendly, but like, that just feels like a, an example of, like you said, like just reshuffling the like Washington deck chairs. Yeah, it is. But here's the thing. First of all, no, she will not start in primetime. She will not get Rachel Maddow's chair. They will start her because they are at least smart enough over there to know that you have to cultivate talent over time. But they are investing in her to the tune of something in the low millions. So over time, she could be turned into a star. Now, maybe she's not. Maybe she won't be, but that is the bet. And the reason I say she's a big get for them is because, again, what are household names in the households that are loosely aware of what's going on in cable news? Maddow is a household name for sure. Scarborough, the Morning Joe franchise household name. Once you get outside of that, there's really not a lot of star power. And I say that with respect to all of my former colleagues at MSNBC, those are really the two names that they have. And Jen Psaki is a name. Mm -hmm. She's known because she restored some semblance of, you know, decency and calm to the briefing room. She has been a very capable press secretary, I think even by the standards of her former colleagues during the Obama White House. So it's exciting. It's, you know, it's, it's something. She became a sort of minor celebrity in, in mm -hmm. DC circles and, and media circles for like her ability to just be drop sake bombs and go head to head <laughs> with Steve Ducey and all of that stuff. If she can bring some of that and they can build a brand around her as this super smart, experienced explainer of what's actually happening in, in the world and what's actually going on, that could be very valuable for MSNBC. As for what MSNBC does at 9 p.m., <sighs> 
You know, Nicole Wallace is another person that they've taken years to invest in. And is she ready to go there? I don't know. Does she want to go there? I don't know. But again, it just speaks to the sort of lack of great options that they have. And also, you were talking earlier about the the leadership over there, but it feels like one leader of MSNBC doesn't even work there. Yes. And that is super agent Ari Emanuel, who's Scarborough's agent. So Maddow, the deal for $30 million for Rachel Maddow to work less. That was Ari and Mark Shapiro. and What a deal. The good folks at WME. Joe Scarborough expanding the hour. So now he's got five hours of real estate on MSNBC mornings. Again, mm-hmm. he's represented by Ari and WME. The person who they installed in Brian Williams' chair after Brian Williams left is Stephanie Rule. She is also represented by Ari and Mark Shapiro and WME. So how much are NBC, Comcast, Cable Town <laughs> executives beholden to Ari when it comes to shaping their lineup and their programming? Three things are at play here. They have a very small handful of real marquee talents who are represented by the most ruthless agent in Hollywood. And on top of that, they have come up with no better strategy than doubling down on existing investments. And what that means is that now that you've given Joe Scarborough five hours of real estate on your channel, it just means that you can't afford to lose him. You couldn't afford to lose him to begin with. Now you really can't afford to lose him because then that's five hours you have to fill. So Maddow, Scarborough in the company of Ari and WME are the people with the leverage. I've pointed out many times during our conversation that MSNBC, because of the linear television business, is a lucrative business. And so Jeff Shell probably doesn't spend all that much time worrying about any of this. And if he needs to pay Rachel Maddow $30 million, fine. If he needs to give Joe Scarborough another hour, fine. But over time, if you lose those assets, if you were to lose Scarborough, if you were to lose Maddow, and you didn't really have any new stars waiting in the wings, what is the value of the MSNBC product. And if you are going to sign up for a streaming service and you're somebody who wants to have access to a news channel because elections do happen and wars do happen, and you have a choice between CNN, which you know is really good at that sort of thing, and oh, by the way, when news isn't happening, they also have cooking shows and travel shows. And then you go to NBC News Now and it's just a watered down version of the thing that is already seeming pretty lackluster on linear. What are you going to pick? I don't care if the, I don't care if the NBC model is free and it's $2.99 or $5.99 for the CNN model. It's going to be a better product unless someone over there figures out what the hell they're doing. I want to ask you one more quick thing because as I told John Kelly on Media Mondays, we are taking to heart the Axios slogan of smart brevity. We're trying to be shorter with the pod, but uh, for then I apologize. Well, you and I always <laughs> go along on this stuff. But the last thing I want to ask you sort of a departure from this piece is NBC News, NBC Nightly News, Today Show. They have a brand on Snapchat where I work, you know, that reaches millions and millions of people. Um, what does the leadership over there see as, as the more kind of valuable, profitable entity? I mean, is it the NBC News signature broadcasts? I, I assume that's the case, right? Like that's who at the end of the day they care about the most, right? Well, This is a tough one because, again, the economics are changing, right? So you've got, for a long time, the biggest moneymaker has been NBC because you've got the Today Show. And Today Show is really the financial engine, those morning shows. And then the nightly news, which has 10 times as many viewers as you're likely to get on cable. But then again, cable's on 
24 hours a day, and that's a lot of advertising space. The shift to streaming changes all this, and the shift to streaming for all of these networks, in my mind, I would argue, means one thing. The most important thing you have is the brand. And what do people associate with the brand? Is it such a powerful brand that it is a lifestyle brand? Do you define yourself as a citizen, as a consumer, because of your affiliation with this brand? Are you willing to carry their tote bag? What matters most is what is the reach, not of NBC News or MSNBC or the streaming service, but what do people think about when they think about the peacock? Because there's going to come a moment for every consumer when they make the jump to streaming, or if they already have, when it's going to be a question of brand affiliation and brand loyalty. Are you more loyal? Do you expect more out of the CNN brand and whatever it has to offer, whether it's news or cooking or travel or lifestyle or whatever? Or do you expect more out of the NBC brand and what's on offer there? Now, unless you're a fan of the Today Show or you're a very staunch progressive liberal who happens to like Chris Hayes and Joy Reid as much as you liked Rachel Maddow, I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> we know where the eyeballs are, though, and that would be on the network side. Dylan, thanks, man. We will have you back soon. Cable news provides us with endless chomp. Indeed. As our listeners can tell. Thanks, man. All right, man. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13.